Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Under the radar. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and it's now time for Under the Radar with me, Chua Tian Tian. Now, today we're going to bring you an inside look into one of the oldest bakeries in Singapore. Now, make a guess, you might have just passed by one of their outlets today. And yes, I'm talking about Polar Puffs and Cakes. Now, back in 1926, Polar Puffs and Cakes, or the then Polar Cafe, opened its first outlet on 51 High Street, where it was known for its curry puffs, ice cream, and choke beverages. Now, the cafe was more notably the go-to place for politicians, lawyers and businessmen due to its strategic location near the trading harbour. Among them, prominent Hokkien businessman Limbo Singh, according to the firm. Now, fast forward to the present, Polar has moved away from the cafe business by adopting a takeaway model. That started in 1996 when the company signed a supply partnership with ExxonMobil to turn around the slowing cafe business. And such partnerships have become an integral part of the business. Currently, Polar operates over 190 locations in Singapore. 165 are part of partnerships with businesses. Now, how does the firm navigate its relationship with such partners then? And what are some of Polar's plans for the future? Well, for more, let's speak to Francis Louis, CEO of Polar Puffs and Cakes. Francis, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Great to have you on board. And Francis, we've briefly talked about how Polar started out as this cafe nearly 100 years ago and serving politicians lawyers and businessmen due to your location near the trading harbour and the old Supreme Court. While the business has evolved since then, how would you then describe your value proposition? During that time, I think what we did was in 1926, uh, basically we were serving the community as as a cafe. So inevitably what happened was because in the old days, the cafes were were designed in such a way that the locals need to find other alternatives to when they meet up. So what we call the English cafes, they were all more for the Europeans and then the Asian cafes. Uh, there was none at all. Mm. So what happened is that Polar took that position and then we just grew as it is. And because we were on High Street, uh, there's also the busiest street at that time. Uh, then we attracted, of course, all the business people and that was our value proposition then in 1926. And we grew until 19... Until 19 40s, I think, almost close to the war. And we still continue until 1950s, until 1960s, and until 1980s mm. when our shop was then uh, taken. Mm. Uh, and then now what is known as Parliament House is where we used to be located at. Mm. And let's talk about your business model, right? Polar was one of the few brands that survived the Japanese occupation as well as the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, from a cafe to eventually a bakery with a takeaway concept, how has your business model changed over time in face of adversities? I I think what we did was uh, it was more pragmatic reason than than just adversity. Uh, Reason was because the country was growing. And rental was going up higher. Mm. Of course, with the moving up from 51 High Street, then that gave us also the opportunity to relook at modern Singapore and then say, okay, what, what do we do now? We don't have a shop and we want to continue business. What else can we do? And we at that time, I think uh, the kiosk business and the small store business was up and coming. Mm. And Landlord was actually promoting, said, why don't you open up a smaller entity, cheaper and you can still service your customer better. And that was like modern Singapore already. And that was the reason why when we look at it, I thought, I thought that was a good model. 
And then the owners themselves they said, well, since we are growing old and we don't have the staff to actually man a full restaurant, let's go into a smaller kiosk business. That mm. was how we started. Mm. Right? So from then on now, I think this iteration that you see now generally is what the younger Singaporean is now familiar with and it goes with the time. Mm. But Francis, as we know in some media reports, I understand Pola was struggling to make ends meet at one point around 1990s or so. And that's why it did away with the cafe model. So how did the move to change to a takeaway model help the firm turn things around? Uh, as much as, you know, we mentioned about targeting the modern Singaporeans and moving along with the growth of Singapore. Yeah, okay. I think in the 1990s, there were a couple of things that happened. We were sort of going into a recession. Uh, and then there were a lot of uncertainties in the country itself. Uh, but the economy is still good. Uh, it wasn't that we couldn't make ends meet. It was just for very practical reason, a smaller unit would have been better served. And of course, during that time, uh, we were also in that crossroad uh, where we wanted to see what would Polar be. Uh, to the Singaporeans and to Singaporeans itself. And of course, during that time in 1996, we also signed on a contract then with ASOS and started distributing. And that was where we saw uh, the format of Polar actually change. So I think what we did was we followed the, the trend rather than and, uh, because of our fun. It, was, it makes more sense to go smaller Mm. Uh, it makes more sense because uh, the busy lifestyle of Singaporeans didn't afford them time to actually sit down. So mm. a pick and go was uh, then the concept to be in. And that's how we got into it. Mm. Right? And let's talk about that partnership with ExxonMobil, uh, which started in 1990s to uh, supply your paths at patrol stations, ESO stations, I believe. And today we can still see uh, Polar's curry paths and chicken pies at major patrol stations and convenience stores. What were the reasons behind working with such players to distribute your products? Okay, so the story that I heard, okay, again, this uh, uh, verbal history that's passed down by um, the second generations and the people who are involved in this, was that ESO was looking for for food service to be designed with the petrol station, pump station. And at, car, at the time, I think Singapore was growing cars were actually also, the, the population of cars were actually growing and they needed something to attract, not just for customers to come in to pump the petrol. They wanted to look at uh, services, convenience services and all that. So Polar was one of the entities that was asked to come in. At that time, we didn't know what it was. Uh, we started with, I think, nine shops and uh, and we, we provided what was now, then now, known as the current format of uh, serving curry puff, sugar, sugar roll and chicken pie to the drivers. So what we did was uh, with that format itself, it also gave us a lot of visibility and then Subsequently, it became one of our business model working on B2B. And that gives the company another direction. Originally, we were, we were retail guys. And with the B2B model, we started then to look at supplying. Mm. And, and after that, uh, as history goes, as the story goes, uh, we became very, very good at doing what we are doing. And we have been doing this for the last 25 years. Mm. Right. And Francis, take us through your major partners at this point in time. Are they considered, uh, you know, the likes of 
Shell, Esso, 7-Eleven, are they considered your clients where you supply them at a wholesale level or do you rent a small space at their petrol kiosks to place your items? You know, how does it work exactly? Okay, so I'll just share a little bit on the business model for both petrol stations, uh, Shell and Esso. Um, different petrol stations have different way of working. Of course, for branded entity, uh, for example, like Polar, we don't actually do a rental. We are mm. we are actually a white label, or we supply or we license our name to them. So in format like Shell, what we are doing is that we we do white label for for them. Uh, for Seven Eleven, we do the same thing, but for Esso, because we we started the business with them twenty five years ago, so the relationship with them is a little bit unique. Mm. So for them, we do a licensing model. So currently now, I think what we are doing is we are moving the business into a wide labouring opportunity with all the convenience operators, uh, 7-Eleven, Shell, Caltex, SPC. So we're going to white labelling. When you mention white labelling, it means that you can go to a Shell or a 7-Eleven convenience store and see a curry puff that looks like the ones that you get at Polar, but it's not branded in that sense? Yes, yes. So so what what happened is that uh, for consumption here, uh, behavioural consumption is something that we notice that you can't change. And people like certain products and they like certain brands. And they still need that brand association. So what we did with our partners generally, uh, we produce another brand for them. But most of the time, uh, the customers know that it's produced by us. Mm. So there's a unique flavor. If you eat Polar Curry Puff, there's a unique taste and a unique uh, texture to our puff pastry and people would know. Mm. So this is what we basically promise our customer when we work together with them, when we write label for them, uh, is that the product would still taste like a Polar product, but the branding-wise, we will work with them uh, to work on something that is associated with their brands like 7-Eleven or Shell. Mm, I guess the shape of curry puffs also differ according to different brands as well, and that's what what's interesting in Singapore, I guess. Yes, <laughs> the shape and the shape and size. Right? Uh, generally, there is a, a there is what we call an Ottoman shape and size. So when we design a puff pastry, uh, we always try to go within a, the first bite. You should be filling up the touching the ingredients. So there's a bite to ingredient ratio. So usually it's a it's. We will prefer an oblong shape, uh, but of course, polar is a is a sort of a crescent shape type, uh, a D shape type of curry puff. So that is unique to the polar, polar branding. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're just tuning in, we're now in conversation with Francis Louis, CEO of Polar Puffs and Cakes. And uh, Francis, I understand you have over 190 locations here in Singapore. Only 30 of them sell directly to consumers and malls. So 165 of them are part of partnerships with businesses. So tell us more about that. What is the current scale of Polar Puffs and Cakes right now? And how would you assess your reliance uh, on such partnerships? Okay, our, our business model has always been centred more towards uh, retail. So probably about now, 70% of our revenue comes from retail, 30% of it comes from uh, B2B supplies uh, and partnerships like what we've seen in ESOs and, and the white labelling. So our direction now is to move uh, at least about another 50% on relying on retail, another 50% on B2B. Reason why is because uh, the next few years, you'll be seeing an increase in rental, an increase in salary, an increase in almost everything uh, that will not make retail business viable. And that's the reason why when we look at uh, the opportunities, right, 
the B2B and white label seems to be the one of the solutions that we can come up uh, of this uh, change and this shift in the retail business. Um, so I think in the next few years, what we are looking at is we will be shifting more towards B2B business. Hmm. So on that note, which businesses would you want to partner up with next? Who's on your radar? Uh, well, so so we are a Singapore-based company. Um, generally, of course, uh, your your favorite guys to work with will be with SIA, or with the shipping guys, and all this. Uh, but to look at this uh, a little bit more pragmatic in a way would probably be our local brands, who has a chain business uh, that needs pastry as one of their support category in terms of revenue earning product and those are the guys that we want to work with. The other group that we probably want to work with is also uh, and we have been experimenting is mm. to work with a new F&B owners who doesn't have uh, the facilities to bake but they want to try something and they use us as an R&D uh, sort of kitchen to design some of the products that they want and then after that we mass produce so generally these are the two groups that we want because if you say who who you want to work with in terms of the world largest, if I can sell things to Amazon, that would be fantastic. <laughs> if I can sell things to yeah, yeah, if I can sell things to Lazada, <laughs> Shopee, that would be fantastic. But I think uh, it's always good to dream. Uh, yeah. But at this moment, I think if we can sell things through our our platform and through our partners, the local partners will be the ones that I I want to work with. Of course, local coffee shops we don't have the likes of Starbucks and all that. But if there are chain that I probably would like to work with, again, I said, uh, the local guys would be like Hugs, uh, your Gloria mm. Jeans, which is actually owned by local franchisees. Uh, we actually, I think in Singapore, very little are known that uh, we, a, a Korean brand like Cafe Benet is also owned by mm. Singaporean. And that's something that we can also work with also. Mm. Yeah. Would you ever consider overseas expansion through partners and distributors? Actually, now what we are looking at is we are working with uh, partners to set up factory in overseas. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that years ago when we re-look at our business and we understand our brand, um, we, we thought that it was better to bring the knowledge of uh, baking over to the countries that we invest in rather than a brand. Because mm -hmm. being famous in Singapore sometimes doesn't help you in overseas. Mm -hmm. uh, it means that we get a sort of an idea personally I think if we look at Polar we, we would think that we have an inflated value of it Polar and said we are very good here we therefore will be very good overseas but mm. that, that's not the case so what we did was we saw the manufacturing capability was something that was able to be transported out and we we most probably will grow the business using that method to bring technology out rather than to bring the brand out. Then after that, we see how do we immerse ourselves in another country and then build you know, the business there. Mm, so, so going on the manufacturing side yes. rather than the retail side of things. And which are the markets, if I may just follow up very quickly, that you are looking at? Okay, so being Singapore and being very Asia, I think the markets that we're very familiar with will be Southeast Asia. So there are a couple of countries that we're looking at. Philippines, Vietnam, Cambodia. Mm. Uh, Thailand, I'm not going in because Thailand has a very strong manufacturing and also very strong in pastries and cakes. Uh, the other countries that probably would, would want to look at would be Indonesia because of its large population. Um, then if you look at Asia, 
India would pro- probably be an interesting place to go to. Uh, although we make curry puff, but you know, Indian curry puff and Singaporean curry puff are totally different. Mm. But they do eat the curry curry puff that we we manufacture here. China, although it's huge, I, I don't think they would adapt very well with the curry puff. So that that will give it a miss at the mm. moment. Yeah. Now let's move away from partnerships, uh, Francis. I believe Polar is very big on research and development. And you guys told <laughs> uh, the Vulcan Post in 2020 that workers at Polar survey over 10 new creations every fortnight. What is the situation like right now in terms of R&D? What's next in your product pipeline? Well, we, we still do a lot of R&D. Uh, one of the few things that, that we like to do in terms of R&D is always looking at what's new in the market. Uh, we have what we call you copy five and then you you create new five. Right? Copy five means <laughs> you take somebody's product and then you strip it apart and say whether you can copy lock, sound and barrel. Uh, that is also to test whether our skill set is still there because uh, if you cannot copy, it means you don't have the ability to actually create. So create new one is actually just looking at ingredients, looking at taste. And we have a no-holds-bar creation, means you can actually create anything. And then we have a panel where we eat and whether we enjoy it or not. Uh, so this is to allow us then to look at also new opportunities and new flavors because sometimes you don't know what you don't know until you try. Mm-hmm. And we really eat a lot of very interesting flavoring. Like Mala's one, they mix with uh, durian and they mix with herbs and all sorts of things. Um, and we have tasted almost everything. So so this part of the the 10 items that we create every fortnight is still there. Uh, it is also to get the R&D team to be excited and it's also allowing us to then look at uh, the market also. Would your competitors be concerned about that copy five and create five? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. I, I, I think what 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 is good is because when when we look at copy five and then create five, uh, that is that is for us to to look it look at it not just on the skill level but also on the manufacturing side. I mean, uh, seriously, if you look at it, I I don't think any company can come up with completely new favor for the next 20, 30 years. We we probably most of the time copy each other or modify from each other. So I, I, I look at it, I think while we are copying people, I think there are also a lot of other people are copying from us also. Hmm. What what kind of flavors can we expect in the pipeline if it's convenient for you to disclose at this point? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have tried uh, a couple of things like the mala one. Uh, we did one uh, curry puff that was quite interesting we wanted to see how spicy we can make a curry puff <laughs> we wanted to do a you know a, hmm. a tiktok challenge and see whether people can finish one or finish five <laughs> uh, we couldn't even finish one we got some ghost pepper thing and we created one and I, I thought that was the most interesting flavor uh, to do something that to challenge people because everybody is trying to eat something and say oh can you finish five of this and we thought Singapore being being always like to be number one. We thought of trying to make the spiciest curry puff in the world. <laughs> yeah, look out for that one. <laughs> spiciest curry puff. I wonder how spicy it can get. Well, uh, let's go back to uh, the Vulcan Post in 2020, that media report and that interview you gave them. Polar apparently bakes over 8 million pastries each year and generates up to $30 million in revenue. How are financials looking like uh, for Polar this year? What is the growth trajectory for the firm ahead? Actually, actually, the, there's a correction to this. It, it wasn't 8 million curry puff, um, 8 million product, but it's, uh, it's a singular product 
or there are three signature product that goes uh, past that eight million mark, and and they are the signature product of uh, chicken pie, sugar roll, and curry puff. So we do approximately about twenty over thousand pastry a day. Right, so uh, a you, day or a yeah. day, <laughs> a day. Okay. Okay. So so we do more more than more than eight million. We probably do about close to about uh, thirty. 30 million to 40 million. But even then, uh, if you look at the size that we are doing, the consumption in, in terms of pastry in Singapore is actually very huge. So actually, even with us and with all the added numbers, we still couldn't fulfill the numbers uh, in Singapore. So so as of now, I, I think, although we are looking at the industry and said, hey, is this a... Is this a a sunset industry. It is not. I I think the opportunity now is even larger. It's just that we need to look at uh, what is required in the in the industry, and then provide the services that is required. So I'm 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 quite I'm quite upbeat about what we can actually create. In terms of financial, I think this year in 2023, uh, most of the F&B company just coming out from COVID would would feel that we are still struggling. Hmm. Uh, I don't. I, I think personally, for Polar, it's not that bad, uh, but it's not as good as we used to do. But I think what we are doing is we are coping with the new market and also coping uh, with the environment at the moment. So we're coping okay. Hmm. And before we let you go, Francis, take us through some exciting future plans for Polar Puffs and Cakes, and what can we expect for the rest of this year into the next, as far as Singapore is concerned. Well, I, I think for us generally now, uh, with the consolidation of the businesses, uh, we feel like the world is changing. I I think one of the things that Polar is looking into probably would be an upgrade in terms of our service in our retail operation. So digital is one thing that we are looking at. Uh, and then automation is something that we are also looking at. Of course, growth beyond Singapore is something that we have never considered, but we have now uh, looking at it very actively. So these are things that we will probably be uh, looking at how we can change or pivot our business from 2023 onwards. Yeah. Right, exciting days indeed. Thanks a lot, Francis. And we can't wait to see that uh, the spiciest curry puff is <laughs> in the world or in Singapore. <laughs> uh, that was Francis Louis, CEO of Polar Puffs and Cakes. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.